0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: All right. So now we got
0: everybody. Woo-hoo, welcome.
1: We're back. We are back after three long weeks. And uh, yeah, if, uh give people just a moment to tune in here, because uh, yeah,
0: it's been
1: it something. It's been, awesome. it's it's been a fun trip. trip. It, it was a beautiful trip. Oh. good. All right. <laughs> need that kind of feedback, but yeah, the uh, as you can see, the um, kitty cats are uh, still feeling a little clingy from our absence. Going to work at 5 in the morning. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. and again, uh, yeah, slowly but surely getting back into the swing of things after being four hours back from here. Yes, yeah. and arriving back at the house at 1 a.m. on Monday. And then
0: going straight to work. And then
1: going straight to work. So yeah, cheers. Have so fun working. We are still. Uh, I, I think we're still feeling the ramifications. Maybe just a smidge, but yeah, we we will uh, we'll chat more about uh, our expert our Alaska uh, adventure uh, a little bit of, uh, another time a little bit. There there will be more to talk about there.
0: But you know, Chris has been at the uh, monthly um,
1: uh, so uh, the uh, the flowers cheetah. Um,
0: out of these markets.
1: Out of these markets. and so we brought we got a new pass number for our crew. Yep, yeah, that that's um, that's uh, our our buddy's. His, uh, this He's guy's uh, this guy's pet. He needed a pet. <laughs> so uh,
0: yeah,
1: that's who this is. Have um, we given him a name?
0: No, we haven't. Have we skeleton. Both the skeleton. That I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm offended, but. I'm offended. <laughs> So going the flesh this month. Yeah. 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 Marcia, you <laughs> Well, you can ask Tiffany. Marcia just got
1: a uh, adult in charge shirt. Sure. Okay. I
0: know that. But, this. Yeah.
1: but uh, yeah, this was from one of the vendors at the Flower Cheetah Curiosity Market. The next one is going to be this this coming Sunday. So that's one of the many things that we have coming up here in just the next couple of weeks. Um, So, there's that, which, uh, coincidentally, this next oddities market isn't only an oddities market. It's also going to be their Christmas in July market, too. So, it's going to be a whole big thing. You can come on down. You can do your spooky shopping, your holiday shopping.
0: It's all in one. It's all in one,
1: uh, all under the uh, the, the heat of the July sun. (laughs) Yep, but It's just down the road in uh, Keptor, Virginia. Awesome little shop uh, that they got down there. I recommend, uh, even if you can't come down and check out the market, to uh, stop in and visit them because They got all kinds of cool stuff. There.
0: I'm going to finally make it down to Sunday. I usually work Sundays, Monday, but I'm going to see that after course, i was working with one hour of it. Yep. So I can check it out and do some shopping. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I don't know no. <laughs> I'll check out out later. <laughs> Have you look it up? <laughs> so, yeah, so you can get some little, little things like this guy and other kind of stuff down
1: there. Um, well, before we even got that, on next Sunday, this Sunday and Friday is going to be our next John Marshall House tour. So, that's coming up. Uh, tours at 7 and 8 o'clock at the John Marshall House and then turn in uh, the beautiful port end neighborhood. So, that's on Friday. And then...
0: Uh, the following Next, weekend. The following
1: weekend, starting July 28th, 29th, that's going to be the Scarce of Care Charity weekend down in Williamsburg, and we'll be down there Thursday. We're coming back on Monday, but the whole thing really wraps up on Sunday.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I definitely can check that out. Uh, again, we're supposed to get pumped before the 5K on Saturday. Chris will be out running. I'll be dancing at the table.
1: I don't know about running, but I'll be there.
0: I'll be, I'll be moving. <laughs> shambles yes our our good friend Hall, who works with us with paranormal uh he's going to be there uh cpri is also going to be there well part of that group now and am glad be there presenting so uh it'll be a fun cool weekend that's sports a good time so come on out and join us yep
1: mm-hmm. yep and so that brings us to the topic of this evening so our uh you might remember if you may have joined us a couple months ago our uh we did our first uh first part one of haunted distilleries and tonight we have part two for you. But in part one you may have uh if you go back and watch it you might be able to listen to us talk about Jura distillery yes, over there in Scotland. We so we got, got some uh, some lovely Jura Scotch here this evening that uh, and we're, it's uh it
0: is amazing yes, and
1: we're all partaking
0: in. So We found it in Canada and we it <laughs> free coming home. Yeah so, yeah. so we bought it. <laughs> so you bought it for a cheaper price. Um no. much, much no. cheaper. Yeah.
1: I think the duty free we probably save sixty to seventy yeah. percent. But yeah, so cheers to some lo- lovely, uh lovely Scotch here. We will of course it seems every Scotch distillery has a ghost. Mm-hmm. We we have already been making some scripts for a volume three of the and it's almost entirely Scotch distillery. And
0: by the way, I haven't even touched the book I bought. That includes wineries and breweries.
1: So, a lot of that... So, there's going to be more. Yep, yeah, <laughs> we will be throwing in a couple of scotch distillers tonight along with the other stories that we have to share. Uh, you going to go ahead and do
0: things Paul? No, no that's <laughs> fine. I will say,
1: um, this first one, it's not really so much a ghost story, but it is definitely...
0: Um, it can
1: story. some stories. Oh, it <laughs> to some stories. Um, definitely a, um, a, uh, a... A myth. It's a beverage that's associated with... Um,
0: Associated with
1: horrific occurrences, and so that's the story. Yes, yeah, so I'll let you go ahead. Yeah. Guess what, do I
0: do This one uh, does it have to do with a certain record? Yeah. No. 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 Okay. Go to Europe. Go to Europe. Go to Europe. I typically track, but with have... Okay. Oh. Oh. Oh my. I like me some apples. i We talking about the little green berries. Oh, boy. <laughs> because I could. There we go. You guys side proper. Time. I had. One of my college professors actually <laughs> made that. Because it was a country's effect. I did. It was fantastic. All right. So, well, whiskey, Scotch, and bourbon seem to lend themselves to a and of folklore more than any other distilled spirits. They hardly have corners the market. But as a matter of fact, there's one spirit whose reputation may be more sinister and stable than any other distilled beverage, as it's unfair that it might be. We start with not a good story, but a humiliating and sometimes grim brief history as the devil in the little green model. Absolutely. First introduced in France in the 1840s, absinthe came to symbolize the peak of decadence and violence. Some, the very symbolized creativity, while others, well, play with the purveyor of madness. Over the years, the fact and the fiction surrounding absence has blended so seamlessly that it can be difficult to sift through the libation's complex history. As the following tale of the horror will show, it has led many to point out that absence when, to point to absence when the unthinkable occurs. It was late August in 1905 in the small village of Kamundi and three coffins stood open to the air. The mother's was the largest adult size. The small casket held her four-year-old daughter, Rose. The smallest coffin laid her two-year-old daughter, Blanche. Before the coffin stood John Lathre, early French-speaking laborer. Faces of his family as he he wept, he didn't remember shooting the three. Please tell me I want to do this, he wailed. I love my family and my children so much. Bray had drunk his way through the previous day, beginning near dawn, with a shot of absence in water. A second absence shot soon followed at lunch, and during his afternoon break from work at a nearby vineyard, he downed six glasses of the strong wine. He drank another glass before leaving work. Heading home, he stopped off at a cafe and drank black coffee with Bray and Duke. Back home, he finished a liter of wine as his wife watched in the she called him lazy. She, he told her to shut up. She told him to make her. He took his loaded rifle from the wall and shot her through the forehead. When his daughter Rose came in to investigate, he shot her too. Then he went to the next room, walked to the crib of his other daughter Blanche, and shot her. From the domestic tragedy, the people of community drew one inescapable conclusion. The absence made him do it. Anti-Apsis sediment had been lovely throughout Europe, and in Switzerland, it had boiled over. Absence, from the air, publicly declared, is the principal cause of a series of bloody crimes in our country. A petition to outlaw the drink gathered 82,000 signatures in justice. The press on the library's story, dubbing it, the Apsis murder. For members of the anti-Apsis movement, including many newspaper editors, Two glasses with a pale blue green liquid explained why a family lay dead.
1: Prohibitionists
0: could not have imagined a more potent metaphor for social decay. Lagazette de the a French language, which newspaper called it the premier cause of lectures to crime in this mm-hmm. At its trial the following February, the brave lawyer declared him the classic case of absence madness, a medically ill-defined affliction the one that had captured the public's imagination. The lawyers called to the stand Albert Mayhem, the leading Swiss te- psychiatrist. He examined the defendant and declared confidentially that only sustained daily corruption by the Saladbury could have given him the ferocious temper and blind rage that made him choose his wife for nothing and his poor two children in the US. Persecution countered the the absence consumption was dwarfed by the extraordinary intake of other alcohol. The trial lasted a single day. Found guilty on four counts of murder. His wife an examined station revealed that she had been pregnant with a son. Craig hanged himself in prison three days later. The canon of the laws uh, within the city that hein banned absence and less than a month after his death. The town of Geneva reacted in its own, and post-murder followed suit. In 1910, Switzerland declared absence illegal. Belgium disbanded in 1905, and the Netherlands in 1910. In 1912, the U.S. pure food board and boost band calling absence one of the worst enemies of man, and if we can keep the people of the United States from becoming slaves to the demon, we will do it. By 1915, it had been banished from France, the heart of us. Absinthe so was not always the devil in the bottle. French name derives actually from the Greek which the Greeks used not as an intoxicant, but as a medicine. Typically made by soaking one more leaves in wine or spirits these ancient acids supposedly aided childbirth. Hypocrisy how also considered the first physician prescribed it for menstrual pain, jaundice, anemia, and rheumatism. But uh. <laughs> 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 Roman scholar Filoni the elders describes the chariot race champions drinking Assythians its taste reminding them that the glory has a bitter side a sediment wholeheartedly embraced by later enthusiasts. For centuries Wormwood drinks remained primarily medicinal though some recreational concoctions occasionally appear such as Wormwood wine and then it was in the 1930s when the French army was entrenched in North Africa that the more modern form of abstinence can trace its sleep. I'm sorry. 1830. The heat and the bad water took a toll on the French shoulders. With illness rippling through the ranks, the shoulders stopped treatment for their bills with wine. Uh, they soaked it in their wine to cut the bitterness, and finding that it had it effectively been a medicine that actually tastes good. When they returned to France, they brought the recipe for the recreational drug with them, dubbing it on the back. For forest district free poet. <laughs> the first absence remained a middle class and upper class indulgence, but it had an exotic appeal, and legends grew about its long history and supposedly hallucinogenic ethics. As prosperity spread and more people partook of the air events, the hours there and the green hour of the early evening, when its unique smell of absence wafted through the air. Many customers realized that with a high-proof absinthe delivered more force for the French, diluted with water, virtually no one could bring it straight. It went even further. By 1849, there were 26 French absinthe distilleries producing some 10 million liters of popular beverage. Artists and writers such as Manet, Van Gogh, Oscar Wilde, and Ernest Hemingway helped provide the momentum for absinthe enthusiasts. While polite societies took a give view to those who continued to green the individuals most disturbed by the green menace pushed studies seeking to prove that absence would rot your brain out. In worse than office, <laughs> <laughs> and that it was the root cause of a steady decline in French culture. Such claims of once great nation now in decline spurred actions and anger. Though those claims were often based on of cherry picked facts. Those who saw French culture collapsing with point to increasing instances of diagnosed insanity to the strain of modern industrial life. Given the massive social and industrial changes of the 19th century, many unsurprisingly looked for culprits and asked for the bill responsible for an entire host of social ills. A ban was recommended on the Green Devil, so this was the the orders of 1905 to convert many citizens to the of course, despite the bans on the green berries, they never really died. Bootleggers, and only continued to produce absinthe. They never outlawed the drink. And a few small distilleries produced it throughout the 20th century. In 1994, a began marketing absence in the United Kingdom, where thanks to the legendary reputation, it found a loyal subculture following. Soon enough, dozens of copycat cap brands appeared. In response to pressure from their own distilleries, and perhaps noting the lack of modern absence murders, many European countries revise their absence bans and new restrictions effectively legalize the absence. Switzerland. The legal version of peace. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Switzerland lifted its ban on absence production on sale of March uh, 2005. France, however, only allowed to label absence on products discussed. That's been for experts. Essence produced for local consumption and instead carries the label spirit rose based on the plants that acid or wormwood, wormwood based spirits. The United States has complicated laws about foreign-free absence, making it illegal the importation of most European varieties. Even a diminished form is now legal to produce and sell acids in the United States. You know, in 100 years the green carrot was we don't want it. Yeah. That was an island store. Yes, we exactly.
1: it. it was quite tasty, too. It was very tasty. we getting back to the world. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. We're both brilliant. Oh, okay. <laughs> Van Gogh brand? Yeah. Is there one? Uh, I don't think supposed
0: I thought it said Van Gogh on it. <laughs> it. would make sense. Yeah. It's does It's a very tasty brand. It's a we really shouldn't actually
1: pour it or shouldn't run on fire. Right? Yeah. yeah. Fire.
0: Fire
1: is a vinyl. It's pretty, <laughs> it's but it's fancy. It's fancy, that. crazy, fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh,
0: yeah. So, got you off and start with all the tongue twisters. I oh, I And the fridge. And I did not have enough time <laughs> for that.
1: It was not, I did not do four months or anything. Yeah, I've been the one that was
0: studying French,
1: French, French or racism in the U2. Yeah. It. <laughs> it was fun. I hang out with the children. We
0: can't speak French either. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the
1: butchery. I just before none that time. It's
0: okay.
1: We're going to uh, move on to uh, English speaking locations <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the story. Yeah, so we're going to be bouncing back and forth a little bit. Um. We're going to go from, uh, from France and, uh, and Western Europe to, uh, to the side of the Atlantic. We're going to go all the way over to the of the Rocky Mountains where we are going to land in the town of Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, where you'll find Black Bear Distillery. Now, they take a traditional and kind old-school of approach to a wide variety of distilled spirits and Black Bear takes pride in their handcrafted small batches. Situated in log cabin some 7, 7,800 feet above sea level, a trip to Black Bear Distillery can be like stepping back into an operation from the frontier century ago. Founded by master distiller Victor Matthews, Ph.D., at a doctor. Just a few years back in 2013, it took a few years of weaving through the bureaucratic red tape and other challenges to get the doors open in 2015. So first, Matthews wasn't sure which way his business would go. Would he be a traditional distiller? Would he just bottle fun flavored spirits? He ultimately split the difference and made a small but unique mark on the distilling scene. Traditional, accessible, rustic, and fun. Perhaps it's these surroundings that draws in the resident spirit of the distiller. The feel of something familiar and inviting from another time many years ago. The story starts with the young girl rounding in Green Mountain Falls Lake, situated just a couple hundred feet from the distillery cabin. Her connection to the distillery is uncertain, but she has made the cabin her haunting home ever since. While her activity is mostly left to a shadow in a corner or audible footsteps, she did wish the owner a very clear good night, shortly after he bought the building. She has made her presence known on several occasions, and children visiting the distillery with with their parents have often asked about the little girl playing in the hallway. Since 2016, the distillers have named the little girl Molly. That was the year that a visitor who was sensitive to the ghosts around them came in and had a friendly encounter with the little girl. While she has yet to give up her reasons for lingering on, the friendly nature of the little girl has made her a welcome presence at this small operation in the foothills of the Rockies. For as long as she chooses to hang around. I do if that's the
0: one we just did
1: on the no, other direction okay. was down uh, I think it's down on the other side of the hole. Okay. So you know, down in that direction. Oh. What was it a story or a brewery it definitely
0: wasn't a long cabin. No.
1: Yeah. It was more But
0: it was right on the creek, which is why I was wondering. Yeah. I think that was all the way up in that speech It was right before you go into Ah, excuse
1: me, sir. Hey. That was rude. No. Yeah, shame on you. You know the story for us too. Yeah. So uh we are gonna stay on this side of the Atlantic for now. Uh with the move to uh discuss the colorful history of Sortue. Distilling Company located in the oldest standing brewery in Illinois. It can be traced back to 1857 when immigrant brewer John Belthel erected a brewery with a 10-barrel kettle on the west bank of Thorn Creek in a small limestone mining village of Thornton, Illinois. An artesian well tapping into a 1550 aquifer that is fed by Lake Superior was already on the property where a log cabin saloon and brewery had opened in 1836. This mineral water proved ideal for the brewing of exceptional beer. Just down the street from the brewery was the beginning of a large rock quarry, which is today the largest limestone quarry in the Western Hemisphere. John would go on to quench the insatiable thirst of the multitude of workers and quarriers that mined the land and laid the foundation for what is today the city of Chicago. At the onset of Prohibition, John's Brewing Company was sold to Carl Ebner. Ebner bottled soda pop, but also continued to
0: secretly produce
1: beer. Soon, federal agents raided the brewery with axes, smashing the backs, and thousands of gallons of beer were poured into Thornton Creek.
0: Party
1: Yeah. I'm oh. an industrialist. The brewery fell under control of Al Capone and his henchman, Joe Saltis who supplied Chicago's speakeasies far or wide. In 2014, at the Older candy brewery in Illinois, sat in a blighted state of disrepair, when craft distillers Andrew Howell and Jake White tapped upon this colorful history and discovered that historic limestone filtered artesian well still the, float, uh, the float, they decided that together with their friend R.A. Clafter, they opened Thornton Distilling Company at the historic site. Producing a line of Dead Drop Spirits. The name Dead Drop comes from a bygone Prohibition era bootlegging truck. Oftentimes barrels of whiskey will be left at a secret location for pickup at a later date when the coast is clear. Because of the building's colorful history and long tradition from uh, malt fermentation, the founders thought this name would be quite appropriate for their new enterprise. Now, our mentioning and emphasis on the artesian well is very relevant to the topic at hand. Many believe that the limestone surroundings of the well produce not only water that is ideal for distilling, but that it may also produce energy for the paranormal spirits that linger about the property today as well. Like so many other haunted locations with caves, the limestone acts as an aquifer for paranormal activity. If the legends are true, gangsters use the limestone caves beneath the distillery to interrogate, torture, and possibly even murder their rivals. Renovators did
0: find human remains
1: in the walls of the building back in the 1950s, So perhaps some great pain and anguish took place by the well. And perhaps this has led to some intense haunting at the Thornton distilling company today. Absolutely. The
0: for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the last tenant in the building before Thornton Distillery was known as Widow McClary's Tuck a business that was also renowned for its paranormal activity. A hotbed of paranormal activity attributed to the mafia, investigations at the old pub frequently turned up spooky photos, electronic ghost phenomena, audible disembodied voices, apparitions, cold spots, orbs, and more. Some investigations were allowed to resume after the distillery moved in, and it seems that although the building was left vacant of any living tenants for 15 years, the ghosts never left. Activity at the distillery can be very unsettling at times. Employees have been left shaken by taps on the shoulder only to turn around and find that no one's there. Old floorboards have also been witnessed to flex and wobble as if someone were walking around, but again, no one is there. Inexplicable gold, cold gusts will sometimes whip around at the open floor, even on warm days when the air conditioning is off. A variety of ghostly images have been captured throughout the building, showing uh, circular and foggy outlines, most of them taken around the area of the opening for the spring water. Some customers have reported witnessing glassware jump off of the shelves, smashing to the floor when no one's nearby.
0: Opa! <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Do
1: employees willingly stay on at the building alone, whether it is day or night? Tarvoyants so who have been out to visit the site have reported that they feel a lot going on. They explain that most of the activity is rooted in the violence and improper deaths that occurred in the building during the mafia days. The daughter of a one-time night watchman at the old brewery recounted her father's stories of the nightly goings-on around the establishment. He believed that the brewery was also haunted by one of his predecessors, a former night watchman named Hunt. In his time, over a century ago, Mr. Hunt lived in the back of the brewery. Apparently, Mr. Hunt liked his surroundings well illuminated because the lights in these back rooms would sometimes turn themselves back on after being shut off by the night watchman. We suppose that's a little less unnerving than being unexpectedly plunged into darkness by a resident spirit, but all the same. So, if you're looking for the warmth of a distilled spirit with a side of a ghostly chill, a stop by Thornton distilling in Illinois may have exactly what you're looking for.
0: Okay, I might go to Chicago just so I can pop over to this place. <laughs> right. Right. My old roommate is moving to Chicago soon. So trip, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I hear there's a wizard thing. Very <laughs> drastic for, for those are from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me feel old. <laughs> All right. Um, of course when we're talking about hunkeys we're gonna have a white lady. We always have a white lady. Or lady in white. white. and white. <laughs> Either one, same sort of thing. Because <laughs> like I'm bad. He's out. <laughs> You've had enough. All right, so we're gonna talk about some scapilleries, haunted ones, of course. Um and we're going to go over to Glenmorangie distil- Distillery. Um, as we mentioned before, we didn't exhaust at all our distilleries, mm-hmm. our Scottish distillery. So there's going to be more to come. But let's head back to Scotland. where in the northern reaches of the country. We find Glenmorangie Distillery on the shores of Dunrach First and the northern reaches of mainland Scotland. According to the company, the earliest record of production of alcohol at Merengue Farm dated to 1703, and in the 1730s, a brewery was built on a site that shared the farm's water source, the Tarlegi Springs. A former distillery manager, William Matheson, acquired the farm in 1843 and converted the Merengue Brewery into a distillery, he equipped it with two second-hand gin stills and he later renamed this distillery Glen Morangie. The distillery was pur- uh, purchased by its main customer, the lease firm, McDonald & Mirror, in 1918. The McDonald's family would retain control of the company for almost 90 years. Now, Glen Marenghi was, like all distilleries and breweries in Britain, suffered terribly between 1920 and 1950, with Prohibition and then the Great Depression in the United States, producing whiskey. Tales. You didn't even pregame. I did. <laughs> Another shot. Here we go. Ooh. That one During World War II. I'm oh, sorry, it was basically Montvold between 1931 and 1936. The Depression ended with World War II, but the war effort left fuel and barley in short supply. And the distillery, again, was ball between 1941 in 1944. I don't understand why the senior system is happy. Keep them happy. (laughs) Moving on. Exports of whiskey were important during the war, but the enemy action disrupted and destroyed deliveries to the United States and Canada. Towards the end of the war and in the immediately post-war period, the distillery increased production and was running at full capacity by 1948. The number of spills was increased from 2 to 4 during 1977, and the water supply became a concern during the 1980s when a development of the land around the Torrey Spring Springs seemed likely. development could have reduced the quality and the quantity of the water available to the distillery. So the decision was made to purchase around 600 acres of land around and including the And The distillery once again extended it to be Okay. <laughs> uh, in the 1990s and early 2000s, it's bringing the whole number of stoves to show. I may
1: have been
0: under the influence when I was editing. You did it. Today, Floyd Miranda Distillery is owned by the French drink company Monet Hennessy Louis Vuitton. Yes, Hennessy owns it. We learned a lot about Hennessy in that room. We did. They're well, so definitely. Good. And, of course, it's also pretty pretty for certain sheets. <laughs> we'll get into that story when we're done. Anyway, that is quite the mouthful for fancy branding. Okay. The Glen Indie brand represents this upscale fashion with its scotch with eight names, the Cooper Rubin, the Nectar Dollar, and La Femme. Quite unusual for a scotch distillery to be sporting French names. They didn't have opinions about it. <laughs> but it seems that the strategy is working out well for the company so far globally. It claims about one-sixth of the entire single malt mark, market. So yeah, that's going to be It'll be okay. Yeah. Now, French- 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 fancy French names aside and marketing aside, there's one thing that the shares in the most fast distilleries, and that is everyone seems to have their own go. And just so that happens, it's a ghost that the Glenn Morangi Distillery is uh, the most incorporeal of them all. Its haunting ground it was the Molten Floor, where traditionally new apprentices began learning the arts of distillation. Even the most skillful and sought-after master distiller were able to recall his long hours on the Molten Floor. You want the most boring job ever? This is it. If truth be told, it's monotonous.
1: A Glenn Morangi,
0: after Steeping the barley in the water from the Tarangi Springs, the grain would be spread out over four large multiflorous migrants to begin its artificial germination process. They have a battle around going The key to the soybean process is a 10 to 12 day at a bright temperature. The sprouting grain would need to be thinned or thickened to maintain a fairly steady temperature of 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Warm, poultry weather would be a real danger. Left to itself, the temperature could rise up to 10 degrees in only a few hours, simply ruining the batch. This is how apprentices would spend most of their time, watching the temperature, turning the mulch on their toes for eight hours at a stretch, both day and night. i got to tell you, a seven-hour shift is a brief supper. I feel these guys today. I glad Marenghi there was further anxiety added to this already intense and tedious job. On their first day, the manager would take a new apprentice aside and explain in a very timely, sympathetic manner that during the night shift they might well encounter the ghost of the lady dressed in white. Nobody knows who she was or how she came to be there, but it is said that her terrifying appearance has driven more than one unfortunate worker to insanity. How do you keep workers out
1: of the table? Because you kept them
0: away. <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> the result of this little talk was, of course, that even the warm and the comfortable moulting room, no princess ever managed to get so much of a sleep. And conveniently, no moults ever stood Nowadays, the moulting process is, of course, carried out away from the distillery and this one small break with tradition has been necessitated by the store of the for those when Warangi and subsequent need to increase the amount of Apprentices had their teeth the cooperage carried for the endless tree of barrels that the distillery requires from day to day. No more multiples. Rather cautiously or curiously, the manager reports that this was precisely why the white lady has chosen to move along as well. Some say that Glenn white lady was a spooky story made up to scare the apprentices so they wouldn't fall asleep on the job. Nonetheless, members of the staff of the distillery have been puzzled by the strange curses for many years, windows breaking inexplicably, carefully hung wallpaper sliding on dry walls without so much of a care, mindfully stacked boxes being found in a jungle against the door, all happening at night, but no one's around. Whether Glenn Morangi's resident spirit is carefully crafted story, or in fact there is something more paranormal going on within these walls, Generations of employees have passed through the distillery with the assumption that they are never unwatched. Never. And we're not done yet. No, no, no. So we have
1: another
0: Glenn. We do. Well,
1: I mean... In yeah. Scotland, everything is Glenn. Yeah, everything yeah. is <laughs> Every Every other Scotch <laughs> distillery, blends something or other. So, Or if it's not Glen it's long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but for this, we are going to the extreme opposite end of Scotland. Along the southwest coastline, you can find Campbelltown. Consider mm-hmm. the principal town of the peninsula of
0: Kingshire. This <laughs> <is legit. laughs> We <laughs> I, look, we're not gonna admit that they might be. <laughs> Scotland is about people. I, was I will, uh, about Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I will somehow prove that Scotland is not people with Ireland. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I feel so at home in Scotland. I so at home in Ireland. You step and and, yeah. mm-hmm. just step on the ground and fair uh, The Vikings went to Scotland first, and then they went to Ireland. Oh, yes, so yeah, they very well could have. We
1: people, huh? how <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, many people did it. Oh, the Vikings were all over the aisles. Mm-hmm. All over. <laughs>
0: Cheers. <Yeah>.
1: Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so, anyway, yes, Campbellton, principal town on the peninsula of Kintyre. And this is just like a little narrow strip of land that produces some of the finest single malts in all Scotland. As an isolated corner of Scotland, the entire peninsula had a long tradition of illicit distilling, at least until the 1823 Excites Act made legal distillation a more financially rewarding process. This uh, stimulated legitimate distillation in Campbellton, with a couple dozen new distilleries opening their doors by 1835. Today, not quite so many distillers remain, but one of the oldest and most well known of the bunch will be Glen Scotia. Looking much as it did in the 19th century when Duncan McCullum uh, built the multi floors of the facility, it makes for an impressive edifice facing the Campbellton High Street. Established in 1832 as on Scotia, the distillery was the creation of the town Dean of Guild James Stewart and provost John Gelbert whose families operated it until 1891. In that year, the business was bought by Duncan McCollum, who established Glen Nevis Distillery in 1877. Around this time, Scotia was equipped with three stills and boasted an annual capacity of 85,000 gallons. In 1919, Scotia was one of six Campbellton distilleries, including Glen Nevis, which formed West and malt distilleries with a view to sharing costs and prevent potential closures. However, in 1923, West Highland entered voluntary administration, which is basically a fancy legal term for saying that it entered liquidation bankruptcy, with five of the six founding distilleries closing forever. So Only the intervention of Duncan McCollum, who bought back Scotia, saved it from the same fate. The Scotia, too, fell silent in 1928, but managed to reopen two years later. Sadly, however, the distiller's champion, Duncan McCollum, was discovered drowned in Cross Hill Lock that year, aged 83.
0: We'll touch on that some more in just a moment. I don't Am I beginning to this the <laughs> Are you?
1: It is. There, there's still a whole lot more of <laughs> it. Yeah. Next time. How do you know you have a Now, as was noted before with Lem uh prohibition in the USA took a heavy toll on the Scottish distilling industry. Campbellton's distilling industry was decimated, with more than 20 distilleries being reduced to just two by 1935. So she was purchased in 1933 by Bloch Brothers, which subsequently added Glen to the name, and uh, and operating the distillery until 1954. In subsequent decades, the distillery changed hands on numerous occasions. In that time, the distillery operated from 6 and starts, sometimes mothballs due to financial hardship, and other times having its output used to crack blended scotches. When it finally landed in the hands of the Loch Lomond Group in 2014, it was put to work crafting a range of single malt scotch, and a visitor center and shop were added to the premises. Distilling the capacity was also increased with the addition of new fermenters and warehouses. Despite the modern additions, there is a part of Glen Scotia's past that lingers on. On December 23, 1930, distillery owner Duncan MacLennan died in mysterious circumstances, allegedly drowning himself in Cross Lock, which was also Lent's social water supply, after losing a fortune in a crooked business deal. While his corporal body has passed on, his spirit apparently still returns to haunt the distillery that he put so much of his time <laughs> uh, <laughs> and effort into. Apparently, the call inspector likes to keep an especially close eye on contractors who have reportedly be, uh, reported being washed by a ghostly presence. Perhaps McClone wants to ensure that no more business deals turn sour, like the one that reportedly drove him to take his own life. In addition to the contractors, employees won't lightly venture into the less illuminated areas of the distillery once dark. So if you want to get off the beaten path to visit a haunted Scottish distillery, Glen Scotia should be near the You, you, yes, yeah. <laughs> because you read out several people. No, we're not,
0: we're not
1: going
0: to Can you see what we have it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Road trip. I feel like we stink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just follow the back of this one shirt that says Scott got. Yeah, there you oh, go. go. I don't think your are Jeremy. I guess we we'll
1: at that.
0: Anyway. It might be that the shirt only did the ones. So. Maybe. Anyways. All right, so we're going to look at the historic Dallas New Distillery. Uh, of course, it doesn't use whiskey anymore, but the site remains. It has to be in place for those who learn about the history of the Scottsdale's whiskey. Here you can step back and claim to see how whiskey was made in the 1900s. It can up and close its personal machinery and the processes that help to put Space Whiskey on the map as a global brand. Now, for those of you who have not had Space Eye, it's just American Whiskey. It's very key. Nope. I'm business. That's business. I'm sorry. I'm But there is island, Lowland, Space and Okay. is okay. it. has been
1: a while since we have been testing.
0: It's a very tasty to tour, and they definitely have the same one. All right, so I've encouraged corrected. It's not the same one. Anyway, um, Dallas Zoo Distillery was the local, local idea of a local entrepreneur, Alex Edward, and in 1898, he built two distilleries, Ben Marach and Dallas New York. Edward's primary aim was, at the time, to produce malt, or blends that were of course the dominant drink at the time. However, before he put, went into production, Edward those worked in Glasgow blending firm, Rice and Grain Limited, who use the distillery's unique salt as a key ingredient in their famous Weber community. The blend will lend its name to the distillery and the site to be known as Dell's Stew and the Dell's Distillery filled its first barrel on June 3rd in 1899 last on March 16th of 1983. In between, it has a very checkered system. The distillery of course closed during the First World War, and was afterwards closed to J.P. O'Brien Company Limited.
1: When the black house
0: company went bust in 1921, the Dallas new was bought by Benmore Distillery. The new owners invested heavily on price but the Great Depression forced closure in the 1930s. <laughs> in uh, April of 1939, after reopening, was badly damaged by fire. Production began again in 1947, but finally ended in 1983 due to a failing demand as an unreliable, uh, for unreliable water supply. When it was in operation, Dallas was physically employed to around 15 men who were expected to do anything and everything to keep production moving forward, including unloading barley, the peas, rolling out the barrels. The exception was the excisement was employed by customs and excited government department. But provided with a house and provided with a house and office by the summary. Horace Walsh worked for to Alice Lucians, famous ignorance. Who also has to be the author of The best known for the Quiet Man, who was using the Irish movies with John Lane. If you haven't heard the novel, you've heard the this film, as I said, the John Lane and Maureen O'Hare. While the distillery was closed for nearly 40 years and is now a museum and a visitor attraction, there seems to be at least one distillery employee who is still hard at work. In the distillery's quiet hours, footsteps, and other unexplained are often heard from the old malting school. And just to emphasize that someone is pulled down there trying to get some work done, The old-style light switches that were not known for easy operations will sometimes be flipped on without intervention of any physical hand. Even during the daylight hours, the at the museum will report the heavy sensation of being watched by an intelligent presence. Many believe that this is the spirit of an unfortunate worker at the distillery who somehow fell into a mash tun and wrapped. With mash tuns typically operating at temperatures about 150 degrees Fahrenheit, this would have been a very awful state to observe. So that's kind of feel to need to raise a glass, but are maybe struggling to decide what to post. Perhaps we can give a thought to those who worked hard to put those delicious and desert into your hands. Those who may have lost their lives in the effort to do so. And with that, we're going to come back over to the state. And it's kind of come on to our students. Mm-hmm. How I know I won't about it. I've done
1: script but yeah. We we have not done that one and it is not in the scripts. As a matter of fact, this is our, our last one for so the one <laughs> right here. Um, <laughs> like turning our turning our attention back to this side of the Atlantic. Um, and this would be the closest one to, uh, to Home us. It's uh, just going to be a little drive down to the south going to North Carolina where you'll find an abandoned prison that has been renovated into a unique distillery. And uh, perhaps. Robert. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, yeah, legitimate road trip here. And perhaps you brought along some of its previous inhabitants. <laughs> okay. Now, this is a really interesting place. We're going to give you some details about the distillery itself and some of its history just because it was really fascinating. Uh, first of all, the place's name is Southern Grace Distillery, and it's home to the first legally made 130-proof moonshine in the heart of Cabarrus County, North Carolina. <laughs> I
0: will not be drinking that.
1: It gets it as soon as it touches her lips.
0: Yeah, I will not because of
1: Moonshine. Moonshine, mm-hmm. not her friend. Almost as bad as white chocolate. Is.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway. Yeah, it is, right? I can't do Not pretty. But, so, yeah, we, we died. <laughs> <laughs> so, this was also the first distillery in the United States to be located in a formal prison. The Caverns Com- uh, Correctional Center in Mount Pleasant, North Carolina, formerly housed up to 400 inmates at a time. It operated from 1929 to 2011 when it closed due to budget cuts. The distillery story actually starts with a dog. Maya was just seven years old when she passed away from a blood disease. Her owner, Tom Thacker, was grieving for his loss and began to have those, what is the meaning of life, heart to conversations with his friend and co-worker, Leanne Powell. The two natives of Tavares County met while working for a former United States representative. Soon they both discovered their local whiskey, and with Tom being a bourbon aficionado, the pair decided to go for it, and soon Southern Grace Distillery was born. The two friends, along with distiller Perry Morris, first opened up in 2013, and the old Warren C. Coleman Mill in Concord, built at the beginning of the 20th century. Coleman was a former slave and was the first African American in the United States to open his own textiles. Not long after they had been in the mill, they outgrew the space hall out. They were in search of a location when they discovered the abandoned caverous county prison. They knew right away that this was the spot. On top of having the space they needed, it's about tourist attraction. I mean, we want to go. facility yeah. in a prison? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, Southern Grace leases approximately 20,000 square feet of the old prison, including what were the visitor's check-in building and chapel, which now serve as the distillery's welcome center, and the original 1929 dorm that is the new Barrel House, and the new dorm that houses the manufacturer. By comparison, they had only about 2,200 square feet in the Coleman Mill. During renovations, they aimed to preserve as much of the original prison architecture as possible. When visitors stop by Southern Grace, they are led to the original chapel to watch a 15-minute video on the history of the prison and bootlegging, including the testimony of a few of the prison guards who had worked there. It turns out that when the prison first opened in 1929, many of its original residents were convicted bootleggers, not too surprising considering that we were still in the midst of prohibition. The prison itself was also the result of a North Carolina prison reform bill in 1925 that outlawed inhumane practices like flogging and eating prisoners, leading the states to build modern re- uh, regional prisons like this one.
0: So despite the reforms,
1: many early prisoners still faced harsh treatment like the Hot Box, a windowless isolation shed with a fire furnace and no fresh air. Before modern visitors make the walk to the distillery's barrel house, they can see this structure, which is one of only two hot boxes left in North Carolina. Moving on to the barrel house, you'll first notice the pounding music emanating from the interior of the building. But as you enter, the music stops. Southern Grace uses an interesting process to age their bourbon in barrels by blasting them with music. The process is called sonic aging and the theory is that the sound waves will agitate the bourbon increasing its frequency of contact with the barrel. Yeah, all
0: those of you who have been watching Stranger Things, you know where Eddie Lundgren is Yeah. So this,
1: this is a big controversial theory. Some think it's just a marketing gimmick. Others think it's legitimate. We're not going to get into that. We're not distillers at 5 any stretch.
0: We're going to go and try it sometimes. Multiple
1: cases sometimes.
0: Yeah,
1: no, like, all I'm saying is, like, urban, let's see me, because I am. <laughs> <that's wrong. laughs> I, think, I think, I think I, when I edited it, I think I took out the details,
0: but I think uh, um, they, they prefer eighty square metal. Yeah, I'm so, <laughs> so down. I just <laughs> said, Eddie, Eddie Munson is there. I'm so <laughs> down. <laughs> that they need to have that after there year for promotional events. <laughs> <laughs> we do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, regardless of the effectiveness of the sonic aging, most agree that Southern Grace's convicts, bourbon, stands amongst some of the finest bourbon
0: there. The uniqueness
1: and quality of Southern Grace's distillery has earned it countless mentions in the media. And while we generally focus on the bourbon and the history of the prison that preceded the distillery, some will dig a little further there has long been chatter about the prison's sometimes dark history and that there may be some spiritual residue left from before. Conviction? Um, mm-hmm. it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for catching me. No
0: problem. Conviction. Very good. <laughs> this is why we have her here. For her <laughs> <laughs> <For For our laughs> ABC employee. <laughs> we have a resident an expert. <laughs> Somebody needs to keep us in well, <laughs> yeah, gave me the safe whiskey drinking.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> so fabulous. I need more. So, anyways, keys, literally keys, perhaps the most sought after item by a convict planning an escape, will frequently go missing only to reappear just as mysteriously. Disembodied footsteps will sometimes accompany flickering lights in the dim recesses of the barrel house. Any this sounds will also echo through the vacant chambers of the former rendering most individuals too unsettled to explore and investigate the darker corners of the building. Dark corners aside, if there were any place on the property that would be the most likely to house a tortured ghost, it would be the hot box. A place where misery and madness can still be felt by those who lay on on it today. Now, if you are unwise enough to think that you might try to hide and do a little late-night exploring at the close, you had best be prepared to deal with the consequences. Just like it's prison day, the distillery is locked down tight and night. And just between us, I don't think that any amount of bourbon and paranormal investigating is worth getting locked in a prison. Legal issues
0: aside,
1: the unsettled spirits of past convicts don't sound like the best company to keep, and in the end, you may very well find yourself spending a lot more than a single night behind bars, most assuredly, without any access to bourbon.
0: And if you all have watched any of the shows, there's a good place. You know, they like to call you. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. So yeah. when are we leaving for the pump? For what? For in North
1: Carolina? Yeah. My mama lives
0: down there. We can make a road trip in our off <laughs> season or low season.
1: I have some friends in Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. going to go ahead and swim down there and maybe catch a checkers game.
0: Okay, I think The cool. shuttle checkers, the hockey team.
1: Hockey, that's yeah, we, yeah. I'm assuming they still do. I went, I saw a game down there when I went down on business, 12, 13 years ago. I was jealous when we did that because they did not have hockey down there when I was there. I you still know. would have been in every game. I, I 12, 13 years ago, you know, I'm assuming that's still there. But they I played in the they played in the arena you know, where was yeah I don't know, Charles Kornick? Kornick. Yeah. yeah, yeah they. I would say Rolling the They had the, that massive arena for, for NBA and they got a hockey or They like that. had the Hershey Bears down. That's something that we are very familiar
0: with. They the aren't. Yeah. Uh, they they than we
1: need to go to the other nation. They had their way with the church. Um, oh my. Yeah. yeah right. a
0: really good team. Oh, yeah.
1: Just They've historically been in that. So. Yes, buddy.
0: I put your friend back in. <laughs> you to yeah. We might <laughs> have another
1: family after we get off the <laughs> one.
0: We'll but well, we did promise you some stories from our trip. So as those of you who have been following you know, that Chris and I went to Vancouver and we went to Alaska afterward. We did a tour of Vancouver. If you ever get a chance to, move, Vancouver goes fantastic. You can definitely go check them out. They have free routes. Right now, it's just one that they're running and one available for private tours, so they're hoping to bring a third one online as well. Um, but definitely go check them out, and it takes place down in the historic gas town, which is the original place. Yeah. Beautiful area. Beautiful area. You get to learn a whole lot about it, and we actually went and ate at the old candy factory which Common bathroom. Ah, yeah. we're familiar with those. Yeah. yeah, and apparently it's very much like the one. That's hilarious. Yeah, I was like, he. The story was coming out. I'm like, I know this guy. The he trans. between Virginia and, and Vancouver. Uh,
1: <laughs> it, <it's>, yeah, <laughs> Vancouver's a, a beautiful city. It's, yeah. it's relatively new. Um, I mean, it really didn't. Come, yeah, it didn't come into being until the very end of the 1800s. Yeah, does it um, feel like you go to a city as an American?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's like just sitting the roll of my house. Yeah, like a four a a, a yeah. Yeah, uh, city. Yeah. But I gotta tell you, I would go and I would spend at least a week or two weeks in a tuber on the sun yes. explore the, the area and the environment. it's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. 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 So we definitely need to do that. Oh right? uh, the water I mean, we went on um O L watch on Sunday and it poured that day, but it was fine because we already covered both and got we were, <laughs> just, there,
1: was, there was another whale watching experience. We were apparently when we went out, we were the first one to see a whale that day. Uh, and when they do that, uh,
0: they radio everybody.
1: They, else. Yeah, so yeah. they they all work together because they all want to, you know. They don't
0: want to make you a refund. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but um, well, what they would have done if
0: we didn't see any whales,
1: they wouldn't have given us a refund, but we would have had a rain check to come back and go again. Anyways.
0: Mm-hmm. But, it it, yeah. Yeah. but um so we saw sea lions, we saw seals, we saw a pair of pump whales, which is awesome. Um, wow. That, that is that um it was fantastic and, um, and just beautiful. Yeah. They did not see sharks. No sharks. Um when we were on the cruise, that's when we saw orca on the last
1: it, day. It wasn't um, until the very last
0: day. But we saw baby orca. But I mean, it's all worth, worth it. sharks um, like better, but I like orca. <laughs> But then we went to, of course, the cruise, and we went to Skagway. And um, this is where one of the National Parks called Gold Rush is located. And most of the town is actually under National park rule. And we know this by the wooden boardwalk that's around. So once you step off the boardwalk, they're outside of the National Park. It's kind of cool. Um, A nice little flowway to let you know where the boundaries are. So we went on um, the Ghost and Gold Ghost Ghost and Goodtimes um uh post tour and it was run out of the red onion food, which is one of the oldest rooms in the okay, very haunted um, as you and it was a problem which <laughs> is why i'm wearing their shirt tonight. i'm going curious about this <laughs> um, yeah. so that's the one that we featured on our home of alaska that was one of them yeah. yeah um so yeah we actually learned a new story for that one um where there was uh, a social club that uh had apartments above it now um Retail on the bottom, but still apartments on the, the top. And uh, one of the girls who worked uh, for the National Park Service in one of the retail shops lived in the apartment above. And she was um, opening up the shop um, one morning, and an older gentleman in his 80s came by and asked her to turn this employee. she said, that what she was going But um, he told her that this used to be an orphanage, and he actually grew up um, from his early years, and he wanted to see the building where he grew up, and she... Obviously, we locked the door so it not on the door. And when she got up to her bedroom, that's when she told us that she actually had a unique experience here, that every time that she and her roommate got together to go out for the evening, or please mind you, this is a national park. That means they will up the sidewalk at like five thirty There's like one or two bars that are open. open. Yeah, so every time she and her friend got ready to go out to one of these two bars, there would be a female of a young girl, we're talking about 14 years old, uh, appearing uh, that they would see the reflection in the mirror they turn around and there, there she was. And they would try to engage her, but she would never engage. And as soon as she described how this girl looked, the old man's eyes just sparkled and said, that's Hannah. She was the older girl. And she always used to play with the younger girls, uh, the younger kids and get them involved in all of this. So after he left, and she got, was getting ready to go out that night, Hannah appeared, and she said, Hi, Hannah. How are you doing? I just wanted to check in with you. We saw one of your old friends today. And after that night, Hannah smiled beautifully, and she just faded away. And we never saw her
1: again. There been some level of closure that she was looking for.
0: Yeah, that somebody just, she finally was recognized as her name. And she, that wouldn't have happened without this guy who came in on a cruise. And came to visit. which
1: was really cool and good. Mm-hmm. But our our guide was Madame
0: Rosie Peters, and she was fantastic.
1: absolutely wonderful.
0: So if you ever get a chance to go up there and check and see if she's still working, she was a fabulous guy. She's been well, she doing it for seven years. Seven years. Seven seasons. Yeah, she she was trained as an operatic performer, um, and um, she just enjoys going up there her job.
1: Cool. But yeah, she was
0: fantastic and we understand and for them any of the Maddens are Yeah, are fantastic. fantastic. But they really enjoy it. Um, then in Ketchikan, we did do a ghost tour, but we did tour the city on our own for the few hours that we were able to We went we to Dolly's house, which we again talked about at the last um, Alaska. Um, and uh, when we got into the house and got into the kitchen dining area, I happened to notice that the plates they had set up on Dolly were the exact same plates that my grandmother had so oh, I was growing up. Cool. I said, look, Dolly has grandma's plates. As soon as I said that, something started following us through the house. I was uh-huh. like, oh, Dolly doesn't like the fact that so Dolly has grandma's plates. It's good. It's just like being seen. And so that's the Rose pattern. I mean, you see it everywhere yeah. in the picture, yeah. in the pink but uh, I always, every time I see it, I'm like, it's kind of a place. Really, really cool. That was a really
1: cool place.
0: Pittsfield is a neat town. And um, we did go to look the local society museum there as well, which was really cool. We Found this really connection uh, with a group of photographers um, that, Walt Disney came across, ended up visiting on a cruise, <laughs> and he decided to have them actually do one of his documentary uh, films.
1: But oh, so yeah, Skagway to Japan, and we also stopped in Juneau, which fantastic city. That's beautiful, the state capital up there. And we uh, along the way we saw, you know, several of the places that we talked
0: about in Alaska,
1: mm-hmm. um, even if we didn't necessarily get to go in and do a full visit. We we saw. Yeah, we saw
0: them in passage and say we were here. We saw it,
1: it there. So I um, think the ones in Anchorage, Anchorage will have to be another trip. we uh, we did not make it up to
0: Anchorage. Um, I would like. Yeah. That in service. Um, so, you definitely get a chance to get up there once and go see it. It looks like a movie set. It looks like a scene in the background, but it's gorgeous. Like it.
1: Yep. One day okay,
0: I will get, get there right.
1: and, and nothing will stop me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, so what
0: are we going to up? Pop culture
1: too? Yep, yep. So, you might remember it then hasn't been like, oh, it's been over a year. I think we did in November in 2020. But really? We, we, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Gary, <laughs> pop culture inspiration, volume one was back November 2020, and we we're finally ready to roll out of volume two. So this can be a little bit of a uh, little bit of an oddball um, show. Uh, so um, yeah. we'll tell you
0: the stories that inspired the pop culture, and if there's some conference
1: with them, we'll include them. But not all of them do. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, it's a fun, interesting show that we're looking forward to. And I can tell you, uh, our little Kruger is going to be
0: featured in this one. As Oh, yeah, um, we'll of course. Yeah. So, yeah. Them, fire, of um After that, we're going to have murder cousins. Yes.
1: Yeah, so now, I I feel I I need to I need to go into the the the, the chat the Facebook event that I set up for that and put in a little disclaimer. Apparently, haunted murder houses is like moth to the flame.
0: Oh, there, yeah. there
1: have been like six or seven hundred people who say they're interested or in they're going.
0: We've um, even had people ask us where do they buy tickets? Yes. And like, I didn't think we'd to tell them. I mean, <laughs> what? Anyway, um, we're excited that you're all interested.
1: I don't want to get anybody's cool stuff. It's going to be
0: a fun chat. But this is not a documentary. This is what I was able to find.
1: As I was joking about before we actually got on the air, our production budget is basically booze. (laughs) (laughs) That is is what we run off.
0: Booze and me going down to research rabbit holes on the web.
1: So, yeah, it's going to be a fun show, but I don't want anybody coming in and thinking that this is going to be like...
0: Disclaimer, disclaimer, this is not a research documentary. I'm doing my best. This is fun.
1: This is something that we decided to start doing a couple years ago because
0: we were bored out of our minds during lockdown. <laughs> I was bored out of my mind during lockdown. Yeah. I was switching. Okay. Um, uh, right. okay. After that. Look, look, that's our next two episodes and then after that I'm doing Haunted Venice which I'm working on right now. And this is going to be a little different from our normal shows because <laughs> it's not going to be the full-length stories that we used to. These are going to be like more vignettes. It's probably going to have
1: like
0: probably
1: 15, 20 yeah. little mini stories. Let's
0: just say right now I'm at 8,000 words and I'm still like trying to develop the vignette. It'll and be an interesting one. It's fun. I mean, it definitely makes me want to go to the minute um, because it has been some very interesting ones, but I'm at like halfway through my list of going, yeah, some of these <laughs> but They're cool facts, but they're not really speaking in that way. <laughs>
1: But, yeah, so we got our episodes uh, lined up for the next month and a
0: half. Yep.
1: And, yeah, it's, it's going to be Thursday. It's going
0: yep. to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be busy. August uh, is our last month that we're running seven days a week uh, through Labor Day weekend. Um, so definitely if you haven't hit us up for a tour, and up for a tour. Um, we've got John Marshall one more time this month, and again, in August, and then we'll do the for a while. Yeah. I don't know when the next time will be, but probably, probably
1: not until winter. So, uh, yeah, time's running out to, uh, to catch John Marshall for the, in the near future. Yep. And, uh, yeah, then, as we mentioned, you can come see us next Sunday at the uh, market down at Flower uh, Cheetah. And then, if you want to come on down to Williamsburg and uh, spend some time with some awesome horror
0: aficionados, Yep. So, book, art, and, of course, the movies we great list of actors who are going to be there. Yep. Um, and, of course, if you are a runner, come out, sign up for the 5K on Saturday. Uh, and visit. Chris will be out there. Paul will be out there. I'll be dancing at the table with Marsha because mm-hmm.
1: that's what Marsha and I do. But it's all for a fantastic cause. proceeds are for scares uh, for of care, which uh, they raise money for um, for families that are dealing with the hardships of childhood cancer, um, breast cancer, and uh, individual skills that in
0: severe area. And if we can, if we raise enough money, we can get a fourth family there, another kid. Yeah. So we really hope to do that every year. But, again, it depends on how much money we can together yeah. as a group. It's a lot of fun. And, uh,
1: yeah, it's a
0: lot of fun.
1: Come
0: join us. Come join us. If you have had a not-so-good experience at a con, you need to come to this one. It is a family. Yeah. one. So, And that is all in the next two weeks. And then it's
1: August, and we, I haven't given much of a thought about August yet. August is going to come, and we're going to do something. But um, when it gets here, it gets here. And I know that we still have tours running seven days a week. But, um, yeah. Other than that, we're focused
0: on the, the charity weekend. That's the big.
1: Yeah. always going to be something going on. You
0: might have to do it. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> we
1: have to, have to bring
0: everybody
1: here. We have to figure out a proper name for I guess.
0: Yeah, maybe the next week if you want to do that. Give some all right, with that, we will see
1: you all in two weeks. You promise two weeks of time. Yep. So thank you all again for watching, and
0: we will uh, drop a note at any time. Otherwise, we'll hope to see you in just a couple of weeks. Thanks. Bye, y'all. Good night, everybody. Bye. <laughs>